Welcome back to Logically Speaking Sports Podcast, brought to you by The Daily Beacon. This week, we'll be recapping the conference championship games, the Rams versus the Saints, and the Patriots versus the Chiefs. Miller, you can go ahead and kick it off. Yeah, I think we're going to address the controversy later on. Overall, it, 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 but it's unfortunate that the missed passing interference call didn't kind of overshadow what overall was probably one of the better defensive matchups that I think we saw overall. I was really surprised that the Rams and Saints kind of were able to come up with clutch defensive stops that at when they needed to. As we obviously saw in the first quarter, the Rams looked confused. Goff didn't really, he didn't seem to know entirely what was going on. He had a hard time reading the Saints defense, had a hard time making, honestly, even simple throws. And Todd Gurley couldn't really do anything. It came back to C.J. Anderson, who I think has been the unsung hero for the Rams this entire postseason so far. So it'll be interesting to, interesting to see what his future is with the team going forward. Overall, I was I was impressed by both teams. I, it's kind of unfortunate that one team had to get eliminated. I think these are two of the better teams in the entire NFL this entire year. I think they were my personal top two. Overall, I mean, the offensive stats were pretty similar. Uh, I mean, the scoring, I mean, as, as we saw, the Saints started out really hot. Third, started out the first quarter with 13-0. Rams kind of battled back in the end to kind of make it close going to halftime. And then obviously, as we saw, the passing interference in the end kind of, again, like I said, overshadowed it. We can. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit, but overall, I think this was one of the better games. I preferred it over the Chiefs and Patriots still about the very end. But, again, I just think it, it sucks that, again, it overshadows how good of a game this was up until the very end, and I wish I had gone to overtime under, under better terms. But overall, I was really impressed with how the Rams battled back in the second half and how, overall, they seemed to settle in more in the second half and the adjustments that McVay made after halftime. But also, again, I was also impressed by how the Saints overall seemed to understand coming into the game what they need to do to win. And overall, it was just, it was a really good match on both sides of the ball, and that's about all I have. Yeah, you know, I agree with you, Miller. I think, honestly, it was probably one of the best games we've seen in the playoffs for a long time. And also, we haven't even talked about the Chiefs and the Patriots game yet, which was a thriller in overtime. It really was. I think one of the biggest takeaways, as you said, was that the Rams looked befuddled on offense in the first half, and then finally when McVay was able to make adjustments in the second half, that they really started to get things going. Because the Superdome, as we know, is loud. And it makes a difference. People say home field advantage is sometimes, and we saw like with the Chargers how they didn't do very good at home, but they seemed to win all their games on the road, and we're like, well, that's kind of an anomaly. It definitely is, and it's why it's so dangerous and why it's so tough to play in New Orleans, especially in the playoffs. One thing that also stuck out to me was how the Saints weren't able to really run the ball, which was a testament to how the Rams played on defense, and it's why, as Miller said, it was really a good defensive game, I thought, by both. They both schemed well, and they both, honestly, they did what they had to do to win, and like you said, it was unfortunate that the missed no-call pass interference kind of overshadowed this game, and I just, it's just tough, obviously, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but I think it was a really good game by both, and I, I'm not sure about, to be honest with you, Adam, I, Breeze looked struggled a little bit in the end for me. I just felt like he was kind of losing it. I don't know if it's just because he's losing the arm. or Not accuracy-wise, but it felt like on those last couple throws, especially the one deep ball and a double coverage to Ted Ginn at the end on that last drive, the, the no-call, it just seemed like it kind of hung and fluttered a little bit. And I'm not saying that he's not a bad quarterback because obviously he's a top-five quarterback in this league still. But that's a little concerning to me. And the, and one other thing that concerned me a little bit with the Saints is how they weren't really able to run the ball very well. And like I said before, it's a testament to how well the Rams schemed. And I think the Saints, like I said, I'm not taking away from them. It was a good game. It's just unfortunate that 
the no call had to kind of overshadow this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the uh, whole narrative of them shutting down the run game, I think that makes sense, but I also think you have to look at it. Throughout the playoffs, the Rams' rush defense has been great. Uh, shut down Zeke. Um, so, uh, in my opinion, that that was kind of be, to be expected. Uh, maybe not, you know, 2.3 yards a carry for the Saints. That's a little abnormal, especially when it comes to having, you know, a punch like Ingram and Kamara. Um, but overall, I, I do think it was a good game. I think, uh, of course, that call will, you know, forever be remembered uh, by everyone. I, I think that's one of the things is it's not even just Saints fans that will remember that call. Just in general, it can, it can change the league. And even if it didn't necessarily, you know, legally change the league in terms of rules and stuff like that, people will remember it. And especially if it goes into the Super Bowl and the Rams don't beat the Patriots, and especially if it's a blowout by the Patriots, how much, you know, controversy that'll bring and, oh, well, the Rams weren't even supposed to be in it, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, they are. It sucks as a Saints fan to say that. Um, but at the end of the day, that's just how it went. So uh, you, I, I was upset, you know, of course. But at the end of the day, you, you can't change it. So it's nothing to harp over. But I do think going forward, the whole, you know, league looking into it now, it, it I mean, it's... It's rough to hear that after the game that they're going to look at, you know, reviewing calls like that, especially when it comes in such a big game. And theoretically, whether you believe that before that play, the Saints deserved to win the game or not, however, with however they played, that play single-handedly kept the Rams in the game is how I'll describe it. Because if they make that call, I'm sorry, I trust Will Lutz. Maybe that's bias. Maybe it's the fact he was the top five kicker this season. No, that he not. was going to hit the 25-yard field goal with <laughs> you know time going to probably expire while he did it. Um, and I think a lot of people were also talking about the play calling in that drive. And I can see where the, the quick throw on first down from Breeze to Thomas that was incomplete and stopped the clock, basically giving the Rams another um, timeout. Uh, can be looked at as you know a controversial play call and stuff like that, and I can I can understand that. Um, but at the same time, I think it's it's on Breeze, and I don't think it is on Sean Payton. Sean Payton trusts that Breeze can make that throw, and Thomas was wide open, and it's a legal play. I know people were talking about how it's a pick play within two yards of the line of scrimmage like that. You can run that blocking scheme because it's going you know, a yard ahead of the line of scrimmage. So that's fair. Mm -hmm. And he was wide open. Throw just didn't get there. That happens. But, like I said, the blown call, it's tough. But that's, it's the way of the road. That's how, that's how it goes, uh, unfortunately. Um, but I do think that's something that the league has to look at going forward. Um, not necessarily even the fact that pass interference should be called, but I think in college they're able to review helmet-to-helmet -helmet hits. That was a clear helmet-to-helmet, -helmet, and I don't really – I don't know how you couldn't see that as a referee just because there were two standing on the sideline right next to it. And it would be one thing if it's just a, a play in the middle of a game or something like that where it's in the middle of the field, hard to get a look at it. It was on the sideline, about clear as day, so it's, it's tough to, to say that they didn't see it or that it was the right call to not call it. Of course, you know, everyone thought it was the wrong call. But in general, I think looking at helmet to helmet hits and reviewing them like the college game does, not necessarily having the same repercussions from it, but being able to go back and say that was helmet to helmet. Or if you want to make the case for PI being reviewable too, that's fair as well. 
Um, but being able to go back and say yes, especially in a game like this where that would have legitimately changed the outcome of the game, um, no matter what you think of before the game or the overtime, then I think you have to look at that. And it sucks that this had to be the precedent, especially for me. But um, that's just how it goes sometimes. So that's what I have on that on that part at least. No, I definitely agree. I don't. I don't think that the missed call definitely in any way really lost the Saints of the game. I, I mean, it's it definitely impacted. I don't. And like we, you never know what was going to happen. Like if they throw the flag, it's a spot foul. It's. De- I mean, it's like what 15, 20 yards afterwards. I mean, it's definitely impact of the game. You never know if they would maybe gotten a touchdown. Maybe they just nearly kick a field goal. Yeah, like that's what I was saying. Like technically, I wouldn't say it lost them the game. Yeah. But I think it allowed the Rams to win. If that if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. So, yeah, 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 I think we all agree on that. Like sure. I I mean, as a Saints fan, I feel like yes, that may have lost us the game. Whatever. But in reality, it. All it did was kept the Rams in a game that should have been over if the correct call is. Made. I agree because the Saints were playing good defense the honestly all game. I know yeah. they had a lot of points, kind of more towards the second half, but even still, they were they were lock, they were locking down. And you never like I mean again, it's Jared Goff and the Rams and Sean McVay. Like even with thirty seconds, you're probably still sweating that they might find a way to score a touchdown in even five. Yeah. Um. But again, that definitely impacted the game. Like there's no question about it. And I I, I trust me, I feel your pain. I got pissed watching it live. And I was <coughs> like, I mean that's. Because you, you, you see the ref, whoever who's right in front of it, wave it off, and I don't, it's it's just really questionable. Because even even still, but either way, it does come down to the, it was a very questionable play by Breeze, like on the obviously on the overtime interception to let that ball go. I know he has pre- he has pressure in his face, and it, he may have seen, and he probably did see Michael Thomas wide open. But it, in my opinion, watching it, I was very just confused. I guess see, like seeing why he would let that ball go. I don't know if he was trying to maybe get to Thomas or even maybe throw it out. I feel like in that situation, and again, Drew Brees will always be a better quarterback than I always will be. There's no question about that. But I think, in my opinion, I'm surprised he didn't just kind of take the sack and then maybe even move on to, I think, women's second or third down. I'm not enti- I think it was first down. I'm not entirely sure. Because, I mean, we've seen the Saints come back from, like, first and 20, even second and 20, and somehow get a first down even from there. Yeah, I mean, that was a third down. Though. Third it was down. on third okay. down. So that, that that's tough just because... He probably knew dropping back, you know, you need the first down or you're giving the Rams the ball. And even though the Saints have played really good defense, I, I loved how we played defense the whole game, basically. Um, that that would be tough. And I think also when he was letting go, he didn't expect to have a, a, a hand in his yeah. face legitimately. You know, if you're going to call roughing the passer, that would be the, the time to call it. They didn't, regardless of that. Um so yeah, I, I do agree. I, I'm I'm guessing he saw Thomas open, which Thomas open. was open for a split second. But when I mean, of course, when the when you get hit like that and the throw comes out like that, yeah. probably didn't show that Thomas was too open, um, considering it just fluttered out of his hand. Yeah, you saw you saw Thomas even battled the defender to try and kind of keep him away from the ball, and it was just an unlucky yeah. push, and he fell flat on his back, and the ball came straight to him. Yeah, I mean, overall, again, I, it's it's. It's rough because again, this was such a good game, and it sucks that like it's gonna be remembered only from this missed call. And it, it, it will be it will be really interesting to see how the league handles this going forward. I mean, as in, they've obviously we we all know they've talked about maybe even making pass interference semi reviewable or even challengeable. It'll, it's it'll be really interesting. I, I, I do agree with your sentiment about the helmet to helmet rule. I, I don't think it should be as severe as colleges because I think we can all agree that college takes a little bit overboard when it comes to targeting helmet to helmet hits a lot of the time. I think we half the time we can agree that they don't even really know what targeting is. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very confusing and, and like it seems like every time a targeting call is made, where everyone's split and no one's for sure. 
So, I mean, I don't think the NFL needs to adopt that kind of rule, but I do, I do think a helmet-to-helmet rule that is semi-reviewable should kind of be in play. Yeah, because, like, on that hit, I don't think Roby Coleman was aiming for his head. No. I think he was no. just making sure he didn't catch the ball because if he catches the ball, it's the same as if they would have made the call, yeah. and that's a first down in the game probably. It, so, I, so, for me, like, if they were to make it reviewable for a targeting or helmet-to-helmet or whatever, regardless, I think that... Um, like in college, I, I believe in college they're trying to look at the rule as well and see if it's, so. one, if it's egregious, and one, if it seems like it was, you know, malicious intent and stuff like that, um, then that's two separate calls. But because I don't I don't think Roby Coleman was, was trying to injure or, you know, lead with his head into his head or anything like that. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it just comes out like he was trying to make a, a, a play in a playoff game that, yeah. you know, gets you the Super Bowl, which you can't, you can't blame him for what he did. You. It yeah. all comes down to the ref in the league for not making that call. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't blame anyone besides the ref in that situation. But again, it, yeah. it it's unfortunate that it comes down to this. Uh, I, I do think both teams deserve to win the game, if that makes sense. I think both teams played a great game. I think both teams would, would have given the Chiefs or Patriots a strong challenge. I mean, for me personally, whoever was coming out of this game was gonna be my favorite uh, going into the Super Bowl. I know it's. I know we'll get in that next week. But I know it's gonna be interesting to see the Rams and Patriots matchup. I know we're gonna definitely dissect it later on. But again, I just it's. I feel bad for Saints fans because it is, it is unfortunate. But I definitely don't think this necessarily lost in the game. It, 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 it you can't say it didn't impact it. But I definitely don't think it lost in the game for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Miller, on pretty much all your points, and you too, Adam. Yeah, I was like you said, it was really tough for this game to be overshadowed by a call like that. Which I think whether or not you're a Saints fan, Rams fan, or just not or not either, I think we all saw that was pass interference. And you're right, I think no matter – you can't really blame Roby Coleman for making that play because at the end of the day, if he catches – like you said, he catches that ball or even just – or they make the call in general that the game is pretty much over. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, with a corner making that play, you know what you're doing. Like, it's a panic play. He saw that Lewis was – I mean, he was wide open going down the side. No one was over there. And so, of course, he jumps on his horse to go – you know, hit him. He doesn't care where the ball is. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to make a play to make sure he doesn't touch the ball. He, he even admitted after the game that he that he yeah. he knew what yeah. he, he knew yeah. what he did was wrong, which is funny. Yeah, because which I, I respected more than him saying, "Oh, I didn't think it was a penalty." I him agree. at least owning up to. I know it doesn't make me feel better, <laughs> but it at least you know said, "Okay, well, he knows that what he did was wrong." I wish the ref would have seen that as well. But <laughs> oh yeah, you know it's <laughs> yeah, and honestly, to be honest. Like I know we've talked about this. That throw that Breeze threw to him wasn't. I, I know you said he was. He was definitely a panic play. I think if he was in the right coverage, that ball wasn't. It was. I would say it was poorly thrown, and honestly, it probably could have been an interception if he was playing the ball. Obviously, he wasn't by what happened, but I definitely think that it. It was just. It's just hard to it was just hard to watch because I think like you said you were upset watching it because that because it was a no call you obviously Adam were really upset and I was yeah. just saying I was just amazed by how blatant of a miss it was yeah we've seen videos of the ref holding his hand to the other guy saying hey hey, hey slow down no 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 like whether and people say well he might have been telling Sean Payton to back up or either way you said it looks questionable yeah definitely. and it was also the fact that he motioned to the ref that it was a bang bang play I. It may have been a bang bang play, but if you saw it being happening at the same time, you also saw his helmet go in to Lewis's helmet. Because if you if you saw that he arrived, if you if you think you saw that he arrived at the same time as the ball, then you were also looking at the collision because you would have had to know when he hit him. 
So you saw how he hit him. So that that was my thing, and with the the ref that was coming up to throw the flag in him, he may have been partly, you know, directing to Sean Payton, like you said, but at the same time, him motioning that it was bang bang was another, yeah. you know, tough I'm, angle to see. I am surprised that you, at the very least they didn't let a flag get thrown and at least talk it out. Because the very uh, uh, at the very least you can throw a flag and then talk about it and, and then, then take the up, flag yeah. back. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's. There's a lot of good, that goes into it, and I'm I'm not gonna be the one to like constantly. Like, a ref's job is difficult, and you never like. Yeah, it's not something I would want. Yeah, it's it's, it's not it's yeah, no yeah. one it's not yeah. something anyone wants to be a part of. But it just it's so it's so weird because it's such an obvious like early arrival to the receiver, mm-hmm. and again it's helmet like I didn't even really pick up the helmet helmet until after like like a day or two after. Yeah, it's, it's just interesting to see like how much went on and why at the very least they didn't let a conference be held to, to decide if a penalty should be assessed. Yeah. It's just a lot of that goes into it, and I don't necessarily like full on blame the ref. It's just it's just a weird situation. Uh, you don't know what he's, you don't know what he's personally thinking. I definitely think these this ref unit shouldn't necessarily be like full on punished. I definitely think they need to at least be reviewed. Something for sure. something needs yeah. to happen with this this unit, especially if at the, at the very least. Yeah. Yeah, and you know I think it's important to know that like when you said talking about whether they're going to change the rule or not, like let's be honest. Look how blatant that was, and whether and they they didn't give it they gave it a no call. So I mean that tells you how judgmental a pass interference can be. Yeah. And obviously the helmet helmet's a whole different thing, whole yeah. different conversation, which it obviously was. And so obviously you need to, I think that should be reviewable, just like yeah. targeting is in college. Should, yeah. But I think that just tells you how judgmental. And I don't know if making that a rule saying you can challenge PIs because what's because not only does it take a long time in games in general, and you kind of the NFL tries to kind of speed it up, but it's so judgmental, and obviously, and you have people in New York and stuff like that trying to uh, make a call. And I just think, I just don't know how you can. I agree that you probably should be able to, but it's too. I just think for me, it's too judgmental. Yeah, to me, I think if you're gonna make the PI rule reviewable, I think it has to be a booth review. I think you have to get a call from New York, which has a group of refs or former refs or whatever or rule experts that all agree or mostly agree that, hey, we need to look at that play because if, you know, if say there's 10 of them that are sitting up there, if eight of them saw P.I., that is a fairly accurate judgment that it probably was P.I. And I think especially with the targeting or the helmet-to-helmet, that has to be addressed just because if you're going to worry so much about player safety and protecting the quarterback and protecting players in general, then that has to come to the forefront before time of game or anything yeah. like that. I know I totally understand like speeding up game, you know, they're doing that in a lot of sports now, but um, overall I think if you're going to if you're going to hit safety hard, you have to hit it no matter what and you have to make the rules, you know, eligible to, you know, fit that as well. Yep, so now we're going to talk about that. I guess we're going to go into the Chiefs and the Patriots game in Arrowhead. Adam, you can go ahead and kick this one off. Uh, yeah, so I think last week me and Jared took the Patriots in this one, and I think it worked out kind of exactly how we expected it. Yeah. Um, just because it came down to Brady doing his thing, which honestly, I thought the Chiefs played a really good game. Especially in the second half, for especially sure. Especially in the second half. They made, for the second half, especially, Mahomes looked like the better quarterback, and their offense seemed to get rolling. What was just odd to me is when you're going into halftime as the Chiefs and you're scoreless, something you have to look at is is the fact that Mahomes had single-digit passing attempts. And I just think in the first half they may have tried to get a little too cute with it instead of just letting him do him and try to out-duel Brady, which was, I think, their best shot at winning this game because Brady was going to show up. 
people can say, oh, he didn't have a great game. But at the end of the day, he took the drive at the very end and won the game. Um, and they allowed him to do that in the overtime. You know, so that's that's how it goes. And I think the Patriots also played their their game for basically the whole game. I know the fourth quarter was dominated by the, the Chiefs, basically, but the, the Pats still put up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That means their offense was still going. The difference was their offense started in the four, in the first quarter. The Chiefs started basically in the fourth quarter minus one touchdown late in the third. Um, so, yeah, I think Mahomes played great. I think he showed he is something special, and he can show up in big games. Uh, but at the end of the day, it wasn't enough, and I think – uh, Brady just kind of showed at the end of the day that he, you know, he is Brady, and that their running game is nothing to joke around with. And the fact that Michelle had what twenty nine carries um, shows that they're gonna they're gonna ground and pound you for a lot of this game. And then if they need Brady to, you know, ice in his veins, end it for you, then that's what then that's what they're gonna do. And that's basically what happened in this one, uh, especially in the OT. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, I agree. As much as I gave Sean McVay credit for his halftime adjustments coming out, uh, coming in the second half of their game, gotta give Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes just as much credit, if not even a little bit more, with how with how much they exploded in the second half to make to even make a comeback and make the Patriots win a little bit going into the final seconds of the fourth quarter and halftime. Um, overall, I just Brady he was he was thirty for forty six. I mean, he had a killer game. Uh, overall, I mean, his his touchdown interception ratio was a bit was a bit iffy, but that's, I don't think the interception was really his fault. It was all that kind of bad plays by the receivers, in my opinion, maybe a little bit shaky. Throws. It was the only one in the red zone, the, yeah. the one yard line that was really bothersome. But then again, it was just he just they tricked him, I guess. Yeah. Which yeah, it was good. Sound, which it was, sounds absurd when you think about it. Yeah. how good yeah. Tom Brady really is. Yeah, so. it was it was good scheming back there, especially from yeah. the linebackers to to bait him into that throw, which is crazy to even think about baiting Brady. But that, I mean, that, that's especially that's basically with the what happened. Defense for yeah. sure, and it was so weird and how non-factor the, the defense was in the second half. Yeah, so. I, I agree. I think if anything I think if anything it should be criticized in, in this entire game, it definitely should be the Chiefs defense. I know everyone's complaining about how only only Brady had, only Brady had to touch the ball in, in overtime, which which is unfortunate and it's a bit deflating for a playoff game. You would love to see Patrick Mahomes and Brady probably go like seven overtimes like LSU and AM did in college earlier this year. Because that'd, that'd just be fun to see. But I mean, overall, I don't. It's it'd be weird. It'd be hard to adjust the overtime in in the NFL right now, which is how it is. I do think it's a bit rough in the playoffs, especially with how well both teams are playing. And I don't think it's fair that Patrick Mahomes got the ball taken out of his hands and he had roll on his very, just very awful defense that hopefully they can get a stop, which they were close to. They just couldn't stop on third down. They got they got Brady yeah. and all them to multiple third yeah. downs, and they let Gronk get wide open. They let Edelman make clutch plays. Like it's just. It blows my mind, and I, and I know everyone also forget about Tony Romo's excellent commentary oh, on the man. entire game. He <laughs> killed it, and I'm and it, it it was great to hear. But I mean, when even Tony Romo's pointing out that you shouldn't have just Eric Berry, who again is a great safety, all pro, but you shouldn't Tennessee have grad. Tennessee, Tennessee grad. Tennessee grad. So he's I already love him, but like it's I don't understand when he's coming back because he's still semi injured. Like you don't know he he hasn't played pretty much all year except until this postseason. But why do you put him one on one against Rob Gronkowski in a third down situation that can potentially get you a win to go to the Super Bowl? It, I, it just blows my mind. And I know they fired the defensive coordinator, which, which I understand. They've been they they were an awful unit all year. I think they have the talent to be a solid unit, at least like in the teens. They just the scheming wasn't right all year. And I don't. And again, you can also blame D four if you didn't line on side, and that would have again saved the uh, yeah, game. Yeah, that's killer. 
it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of minor mistakes that this team just made. I mean, you, we all talk about it. defense has to be able to like get to third down and then stop on third down, and they were third down to longs too. So it just I, I don't I don't know I don't know what happened with the Chiefs defense. I, I let's see let's, we can see what kind of direction they go into. I know Rex Ryan's hinted at being hired for it. We see it'll be interesting to see who they go with. But over I'm also I'm surprised by the Patriots kind of offensive change throughout the middle of the season. We all, we all agree they were struggling the first part of the year and they kind of turned it on. I think that helped in part to how they embraced the run game a little bit more and how Sonny Michelle kind of started to turn it up and be the first-round draft pick everyone thought he'd be. I mean, like I said, 29 carries for 113 yards and two touchdowns. He looked at times in this entire postseason even dominant. Yeah. And I think I think he's a bright spot for them going forward. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we all can, we can all agree that Brady made clutch plays when he needed to in overtime and at the end of the fourth quarter put his team in a position to win, and here they are going to yet again another Super Bowl. Yeah, I think with the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are looking at Steve Spagnuolo, like They're coach, also coach too, yeah. for Giants and the yeah. Rams previously, uh, which I don't think would be a bad hire. No. Um, he's he had some pretty good units. Previous experience with Andy Reid, too. Yeah, 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 I think exactly. that's a big factor. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, also, one of the things I wanted to hit, the third down thing was huge. I know me and my dad were watching this game, and we were like, okay, I know the third down. Brady can't do it again. Um, well, I wasn't thinking that, but I know my dad was hoping for that. Um, because it just every every third down, it would be a third and eight, third and 11. Edelman was open. Gronk was open. It was just happening. Like, the plays they were calling were working. Brady puts it on the money, and that's just how it goes. And that that was the story of the game for me. And, and as well as being a game in the trenches that the Patriots easily dominated, um, just because, I mean, if you look at the yards, 524 to 290, um, almost 180 of those coming on the ground. And I think a big thing as well is Mahomes was sacked four times for 46, which just puts you behind the, the chains. Brady didn't even get touched. When he did get touched the one time by Chris Jones, it was a flag. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah like you both said, I think uh, me and Adam were talking about this game, deciding who we were going to take. And it's the Patriots. I mean, it's just this is just that type of game. It was just Belichick-esque. Like, everything about it, like, the way they played in the first half, I was saying that. I was watching I was like, huh. I said, Chiefs, you're in some trouble right now because the way the game was playing out, like you said, being able to run the ball, I think, what, Michelle had, like, 17 carries in the first half, which is absurd. That's close to that, yeah. That's crazy because that's – most times, most backs get maybe 20, 22 touches. At the most. At the most yeah. in a game. But yeah. 17 in the first half is just crazy. And I was like, all right, this is going to be – so this is going to be a blowout. It's like Chiefs yeah. let down again. And this one game's in Arrowhead. I was like, man, Andy Reid's going to get some flack for this game. Yeah. And then, obviously, like you said, we talked about Sean McVay making second-half adjustments. Andy Reid being able to really get their offense going. Not not so much in the third quarters, but like in the fourth when they scored what? I think it was like 24. 24 said, points. Yeah. 24 points, obviously. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing, because we saw, like we talked about earlier, how they the defense for the Chiefs baited Brady on the one-yard line. So and I was just like, this is crazy. Okay, maybe the defense is gonna step up. I said maybe. Okay, skippy. No, I mean it. This was no. watching them, watching their scheme was like watching Oklahoma play because it was just, <laughs> it was so bad because I could just see off coverage because I, like you said, third down and eight, third down and ten, third and eleven. Yeah. No, they no corners were up on the receivers. Edelman just got free every time up up in the middle. I'm just I'm seeing like, and it wasn't just like they did it once or they were like doing different plays. It was the same thing over and over and yeah. over. And it was just astounding to see it. And I was like, and that, I think that's what cost him his job. And obviously, D Ford not being offsides. And that's what I was saying about being Belichick-esque. He feasts on your mistakes. Yeah. He doesn't take 
your T doesn't take the most talented guys. It takes dudes who are mentally there because their IQ's high because he knows at the end of the day what wins you games in the playoffs and what wins you Super Bowls is not making the dummy because all you have to do is make one mistake. It can take one. It can take a bunch, obviously. Yeah, because that was basically the only mistake from the Chiefs. They didn't have a turnover. Yeah. And I and going into this game, I thought, you don't turn the ball over the Patriots. You have a really good shot to win the game. And that play right there ruined it for him. And, I, and that's what I said. As soon as it happened, I said, you just gave Brady another chance to win the game. It's going to happen. It just does. That's just how it goes. And another thing you were talking about, like the, the coverages on Gronk and Edelman, it reminded me about like Eagles and Saints. I, I don't mean to go back to, this, uh, to a Saints game, but with how Thomas was covered for a lot of that game with no press coverage. They were backed off for basically the entire game, letting them get the short routes. And then once they would pull up for maybe a play, then they would get hit deep or they would just run the ball and they would and then they would back off again. And so that's how Edelman and Gronk got so wide open either on the sideline once they had space or in the middle of the field once the coverages was were messed up because they were playing so far off. So yeah, I, I like that point. That was just what I thought of. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, and like we are saying talking about D Ford, I mean, when I saw that pass and I saw the interception, I mean obviously Gronk probably should have caught that ball. I mean, he yeah. was open and it was definitely a Miss miss targeted ball. I was I was so excited. Like you know, what it's like to see Brady fail in the fourth, and then I see a flag in the corner. I'm just like, huh. yeah. I thought it was gonna be something like they just throw it and some some BS holding or PI. I was like, no, it was it was offsides, and I and they showed and it's, this wasn't just like maybe an inch. This was almost half a foot, and I just yeah. sat there. I was like, I just couldn't believe. Like I said, it was astounding to see this, and then when you get to the end, and I. This is what Brady does, and it it was it was crazy to see because like, most time you see Brady, he's pretty he's he's somewhat mellow, I guess you'd say he's he's usually all business, all professional. And at the end of that game, if you watch the interview, he was so excited, he and was, I was just like, really was. and I and that's something I've never seen before. And I was just like, I said, Rams, you've got a problem. I mean, Rams have talent on their defense, but that's a scary thing. A happy Brady is a, so is a scary Brady, but a happy yeah, Brady I mean, is to, it just terrifies to see, me. To see Tom Brady excited to play in two weeks is if if I'm that team, I'm I'm terrified, and I'm I'm spending I'm spending nights playing, trying to game plan how to stop him. I mean, you heard the comments before the game of when he walked in the locker room. Obviously, we can't say it on the air, but that's. Yeah, that's not good. I, that's not something I want to, if I'm a Chiefs fan or just a Chiefs player, that's not something I, I want to hear. That's that's not no. it for me. But yeah. obviously we saw Brady doing his thing, and you give Brady an inch of daylight, he's going to capitalize, and that's what happened. So. Yeah, and I also want to I want to credit Edelman. Me too. Edelman is, is such an anomaly sometimes, especially in the playoffs. I mean, this season, he played really good this season, very consistent for him. But it's like the playoffs get here, and it's a whole nother level. I don't know if any listeners list like watch hockey, but it's Jake Gensel on the Penguins. It's it's literally it's literally Julian Edelman. It, it's yeah. the epitome of him. No. Gensel plays great all season, not talked about very much. Playoffs come around, hat trick, hat trick. With Edelman, <laughs> it's like hundred yard games back to back to back. I'm catching a touchdown. I don't care what you're doing, what you're scheming to stop me, because I'm gonna get open. And, you know, when he runs routes like that and plays like that with that confidence with Brady, it's a scary thing. Yeah, more so. I'm, I'm more impressed by how clutch Edelman was on that last, on the, the overtime drive and even kind of towards the last, the last couple drives of the game. I mean, yeah, like I said, he just stepped up and he made plays when no one else really, when no one else really could. And that's, that, that's the guy Brady relies on, probably even more so than Gronk at this point right now. Edelman 
when and when it comes to making a play, Brady usually looks towards him to make that play. And you can we can talk about how bad the Chiefs defense played against and, and again it's in that last drive in overtime. But at the end of the day, I mean Edelman stepped up and made plays. I mean the Chiefs could have theoretically stopped him and they like they had guys in the area, but overall Edelman just found a way to expose him and that's that's what won the game, honestly. Yeah. I mean, he had a case of the drops for much of this year and it yeah. was just like I thought he almost cost them the game with that almost almost muff punt. Now I just and he yeah. had a drop that went right through his fingertips that went for the interception. I was just like, man, you're struck. Like, because we all thought it was kind of like karma. I was like, oh, well, yeah, ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. But then it's just like, then he comes back. I mean, he took some good shots on that last. Ball couple. lied. Ball came back. <laughs> he took some good shots on those last couple of drives that that most receivers probably would have dropped. I'm not gonna lie. Who don't he's, have the toughness? He's and it's a just, tough dude. And he's just. I, I don't really know how to explain it, man, but. Rams beware. That's all yeah, I gotta say. It's, it's a Belichick it's, thing. He, he doesn't. I mean, Edelman's not the fastest. Definitely not the biggest. Not the strongest. Um, doesn't run the best routes. But when it matters, he's there, and that's all Belichick and Brady care about. And that's when it comes down to it. That's what wins you games, um, especially when you're winning in the trenches as well as they did all game. Yeah, it's gonna be very. It's gonna be very interesting to see how the Super Bowl matchup ends up being. That's yeah. gonna, like I think Sean McVay. I think we all agree he's definitely one of the brightest offensive minds in the entire NFL, if not the brightest. Yeah. But they have Belichick. He probably is one of the if, if he's definitely the best game planner in the entire league. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that game. Yeah, because you you look at it, and we'll get more into it next week, but um, Rams defense, just better personnel. Um, but you also give Brady more time to, to prepare, you know. So you just never know. we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And that's it for this week's podcast. Uh, we'll see you back next week, after, uh, hopefully, to talk about the Super Bowl game that will be coming up two weeks from now. And then hopefully we might talk about some Senior Bowl action that's going on this weekend. But thanks for listening.